Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. This has been crazy, folks. We've got a lot of attention with this giveaway. Everybody wants to win smart thermostat. You got it. We've got an Ecobee smart thermostat with voice control and even one of those room sensors that can go on the other side of the house for you. And we're giving one of those away to a lucky listener. So two things. To enter to win, you have to go over to AroundTheHouseOnline.com and go to the contest page and fill it out. But to be a valid entry, you need to know who Caroline's movie actor crush is. It's Around the House. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. Where we talk home improvement every single weekend. Hello, Caroline. Hello, Eric. This time just flies with us. You know, it seems like we just did this yesterday. Really? And it's uh, <laughs> keeping us busy. <laughs> you know, there's so much going on in the world out there. And you brought up a great idea, you know, for the for the show today of talking about DIY projects. Because, you know, there's it's hard to find a contractor out there. I had a, oh you know, God, and know, even... Even Dane, our producer, goes, hey, my dad needs a contractor. I'm like, I don't have anybody before yeah. March, man. I'm sorry. And I felt bad because I couldn't get him anybody. I'm like, dude, it's March. And he's like, March? I'm like, yeah, I know your dad needs to do some stuff, but Can't it's do March. It. I've got doors. So, you know, I've got sliders sitting in my basement waiting to go in. So I don't know when they're going to get there. I think it's not going to happen until probably October. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So. This was a great idea for you to bring this up and go, hey, let's talk about some DIY projects that even if you're a novice DIYer that you with a little practice can tackle. Mm -hmm. And there's also some best practices here too for maybe the more experienced person that goes, huh, never done it that way before. Yeah. But it's a good idea. And I think one of the biggest concerns, like, just having the kids home and having everybody in the house, I'm noticing like nicks and dents and places where, you know, the vacuum was like thrown into the floor, you know, and somebody's vacuuming. Now I've got this yep. dent in the drywall. So I think doing some of those touch-ups would be really great right now and they can do it themselves and giving them the tips to do it would be fabulous. Absolutely. So, you know, painting is always an easy one. Um, it's intimidating for people that haven't done it before, but you know, if you take your time and you're not sloppy about it, you know, that's probably the first key. But like with any painting, it comes down to prep work, right? You know, the paint doesn't cover really mm -hmm. anything. As far as dents, nicks, scratches, you need to get that back to looking pretty before you put that top coat on. You need your Because spackle. that prep work, yeah, yeah. So let's say you've got, you know, the kids put a couple dents in the wall. Maybe there's some you know, maybe there's a picture there. Maybe you removed some furniture around and you've got some things that uh, 
that need to be patched up. So the first thing you need to do really is figure out what the texture is on your wall. So you kind of know how to deal with it. You know, Wait. maybe a more contemporary home. So how do you know, like, so from a novice standpoint, cause you know this, when does a dent need to be spackled or when can it be covered with paint? Cause I see a lot of people, they'll take the paint, right. And they'll start touching it up and they're like, Oh, this didn't work. So, you know, kind of, how do you know when it's either you have to put a new piece of drywall in, or you need to actually you do a couple coats of spackle. Paint won't cover a dent. Let's be honest. It just won't. Um, if it's a scratch, if it gets into the, the texture at all, where it, it took that, or if it breaks the, it breaks kind of the skin of the paint, the plain. paint mm -hmm. really has no thickness to it. It's in the mill thickness. So it's, it's like a sheet of plastic. There's just not much coverage to it. So Perfect. you're not going to cover a dent or even a big scratch with paint. You're going to have to fill it with something. Mm -hmm. That's the secret. Even if you use the wrong grid of sandpaper and you use like a 32 grit, where it's gouging it up, paint's still not going to cover that. So you really got to do some prep to that. So the biggest challenge though, for people when they're painting and patching, the patching part is kind of easy. Okay. I'm going to fill it, sand it smooth, but many times you don't have a smooth wall. Maybe you've got that kind of eggshell texture or what they call knockdown where it has the bumps and you can see where they kind of flattened it out with a trowel. So you've got that knockdown texture. So matching the texture is always the biggest challenge for the homeowner. Is there and any difference? Tough to, if there are any difference, like if you're using an eggshell paint or a flat paint, right? This is, a, we're talking about texture. So everybody for novice people, cause you know this, but a lot of people don't know the difference between an eggshell paint, a flat paint, a satin paint, right? They don't know. So they don't even know what their walls yeah. have. Like in my clients, I ask them all the time. I'm like, so I prefer they paint with an eggshell cause it gives them a wipeable surface. Like if they get something on it, it can wipe it off but they don't know. So I think it's important just to let them know that there's different, you know, fabrics or, or feeling of paint, right? From a yeah, basic those sheens are totally different, but they also, you've got to have that consistent within the room. So you got to be careful with that. You want to have all the walls be the same. Mm -hmm. So when you're touching up, you need to make sure that you have the right color and the right sheen, because you're going to see it either way. If you had something that was a eggshell that you had mixed up to match and it was a flat, you're going to see this little polished area in exactly. the middle of that. That's a big one, right? <laughs> That's yeah, a huge mistake. Yeah. People often go to the paint store and they just say, they're so worried about matching the color. They don't think about the sheen and you have to pay attention because you will have a shine in the middle. I see it all the time on DIYs. <laughs> they don't do it right. Oh, and it looks bad. It looks bad. And so the other thing is too, is so let's go back to the patch real quick and finish that thought up. When you're patching, one, you want to use a good spackle or drywall compound to fix that, but then you got to figure out how to replicate that texture there. So many times you can get the spray can textures where you can go in and use like the uh, orange peel and give that kind of eggshell, um, you know, texture to it for that orange peel. Or if you've got a knockdown, it's a little bit harder. And so that's where if you've got a little scratch, it's one thing and you can kind of play around with it and get it close. But if you've got like, let's call it a, a hole from a doorknob in the wall, mm, that's, that's the a much one. harder thing to match for the first time homeowner. And I'll be honest, sometimes you're better off getting a drywall company to come in and match it perfectly. Um, but even at that, I've had remodeling projects where we moved a wall or took down cabinets that were overhead and there wasn't texture underneath it or something like that. And many times you end up, if it's like a ceiling, you might have to retexture that entire ceiling 
to make it look correct. Mm-hmm. So depending on how big a problem you have, it can be a bigger answer to fix it. So it's tough. That is the biggest challenge of all of this is that getting that texture to match. I'm pretty good at it. I'm not perfect. It takes a lot of time to get it right. And when you do, it looks great. But uh, there's places in my house still I need to go back and probably do one more coat of texture where I did some repairs because it's not I, I can still see it myself. But it's almost like a scratch in your car. No, everybody will come up to your car and go, oh, my gosh, that is beautiful. That is perfect. And <laughs> then you could kind of go, well, but there's that little scratch that I know about that's over here because the shopping cart hit it or whatever. Nobody <laughs> else sees it but you. So, I mean, traditionally, like in my house, I've got standard drywall, right? With, um, yep. depending on the room, an eggshell, a flat paint. So... Mm-hmm. I'm just using this as an example. We had a thermostat removal, right? So you know the size of a thermostat. So in that case, what's the best way to patch it? Because it is really hard. You've got to fit a piece of drywall. So now you're either either using some kind of mesh tape, right? Because you've got to bond it. You've got to actually cut the piece out and bond it to the other big piece that the pieces that are around it. Um, Do you prefer, like, I'm a paper tape kind of person. I actually do like standard paper tape. Do you like mesh? And explain to people the difference. Because if you're going to patch, sometimes you need to use these items do well i actually do in that situation where i have like a a little patch i have a trick what they call a california patch that's what they call it out here so what you do is you take your piece of drywall that is about an inch and a half larger than the hole on either side so if you have a a three inch hole you're trying to patch you cut a six inch piece of drywall so you have an inch and a half on either side And then what you do is you flip it over upside down so you see the back of it and the finished side of the drywall is down. And then you will cut on the inside a square that is the same size of the hole that you're going to cut. And then what I do is I peel the drywall off and leave the face of it like Mm -hmm. it's tape. And then what you can do is you mud those four flaps of the front paper that are there. And then you can stick that in the hole and now you have tape and drywall in there and you don't have another layer of tape on there. So it's the easiest to clean up afterwards. Wait, everybody, Eric just saved us like a ama- Wait, I got to read it. I got to redo this because I need to know this for my house. He just saved you like <laughs> in life big time because these are the problems. So you're taking a piece of drywall. And if you ever look at drywall, it's got the exterior side to it. Right. And the interior, yep. or what, the front and the back. Yeah, they've exactly. got the two different papers. The ins the inside is just a usually a brown piece of paper that's holding the drywall together, and then you've got the finished paper on the what would be the the wall side that you would see exposed. Yeah, so let's say I've got a three by three hole that I'm trying to patch, and you've mm-hmm. cut it out, squared it up. What I do is I go in there and cut a three by three patch. Of course, you got to make it slightly smaller to fit in that three by three. But then what I do is I take about a six by six piece, and then I cut with my knife a three by three hole in the back side. I just cut the paper. Gotcha. So then what I can do is I can snap off that outside inch and a half piece and leave the paper that's on the face. So what you have then is when you look at it is a piece of paper that is the front finished part of the drywall paper that is six by six with a little piece of drywall that is three by three in the center of it. Mm. So that way I can put sheetrock mud on the back side of the face paper on all four sides and slap it up in there. And then you can hit it with your trowel around there and get it smoothed out. And you have a really cool patch. It's a great little trick for doing this. 
Oh, that's awesome. Now let's awesome. talk about what we do afterwards with that. Let's go out to break here real quick, Caroline. And we'll, when we come back, we'll talk about kind of how you want to get a texture on that. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. like today every single weekend thanks for joining us well caroline and i we've been talking about kind of getting that room ready to paint you know getting that prep work done so we're all looking good because you know like you said caroline in the first segment we've just been watching houses take a beating kids have been home way too long compared to a normal school year don't throw ball in the house (laughs) it's so true it's so true so you know, when, when you left us before in the last segment, we were talking about kind of doing the patch and fixing that hole. And so once you've got that, what I call the California drywall patch, where you've got the the drywall, you know, cut correctly to slide into the hole, you really got to mud that thing up, get it in there and let that dry. I want to see that set so you're not chasing it around. Well, give him the tip. So he, I'm going to have Eric put this on the on our website. I'm telling you, this is a great, I can't even believe he knew this and he didn't tell me. So once you patch this hole, because this is like any person can do it. I mean, I can go out and get a piece of drywall and do it. He's making it super simple. But tell them, so when you're going to put your spackle on, which is your, what we call your mud. Yeah, and I use drywall mud for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell them how you're doing it, because he has a trick. So you're not just putting it on the tape as you stick it to the wall. You're also putting it around the lip of the actual drywall. Yeah, I like to get it kind of caked on the lip of the drywall where that's at. So that way, when the drywall slides into the hole it has a better chance of bonding to the existing drywall next to it. And so that gives you a stronger patch. If it was just the tape, then technically you could have that thing moving around, especially in an area where maybe you already had some damage once. So something hit it like a doorknob or something like that, that will give you that added strength. If it's something that you still haven't put, you know, that, uh, that door stop back there to stop it from happening again, or uh, some kid is loving to slam their door, then what you can do there is put another piece of wood back there. But for this, you don't really need it. And it makes for a nice strong patch. That's awesome. So now we've got it. We've got this piece in. Now we've got a coat it. And then maybe we should just talk about brands of mud, what we call mud or um, drywall patch. So, I mean, do you have a preference as to what you like? You know, for that, I just use whatever, whatever's at my local, you know, home improvement store or whatever. So I use a, I don't use the topping compound, but I just use the standard joint compound is what Mm -hmm. I use. And uh, I usually have a box of it sitting around the, in the garage for that very reason, because I've been doing enough DIY stuff that I do it. Or if I'm in a hurry, I've got a a, a bag of the mix up, like the 20 minute mud that I can mix up and it'll set up pretty quickly. Yeah. So there's like two different types. So for people who aren't, you know, don't understand how it works, you can actually have a pre-mix, right? It comes, it's, it's a, a, a solution, right? It looks like mud. It's actually a wet solution. Or you can have a dry bag that you actually mix. I like a product called Merco 100, which is a hyperallergenic spackle. So if you have people in the house that have asthma or have issues, you can easily pick up a bag of this. You do mix it your own, but it's not, it's not hard to mix. You just have to let it set a little longer, right? The pre-mix stuff, you can just pick it up and slap it on where if you're going to mix your drywall, your compound yourself, I mean, your um, compound yourself, you have to let it sit and set a while. 
Yeah, and I still even if you even the twenty minute mud, it'll 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 set up in in theory in a half hour, forty five minutes. It all depends on how humid it is, what the temperatures are, and that kind of stuff. But I still go through there and make sure that that's really set up and good before I put the next coat on because you can start trapping moisture in there, and that's when stuff gets musty and moldy, and you don't want to see that happen. So yes. you want to make sure and get that set up first, then you can do your skim coat and make sure you've got that. You know, and if you've got, like we were talking about, a six by six patch, you might have to get out to 10 or 12 or even 16 inches to get it smoothed out on the wall. You want to make sure this is almost like body work on a car. You've got to make sure that you don't see this patch down the road. So it has to be perfectly smooth. And if you close your eyes and run your hands over it, you should not be able to feel where that patch occurred. That way you don't have the shadowing and all the weird stuff happening. How thin, like, so when you're skim coating, how thin do you go? Because I see people slop it on and they're like, they'll put like a quarter inch of mud up and then they're like, they're sanding forever. So how thick yeah, is- Yeah, a quarter inch of mud. You just want to be able to smooth it out. You are much better off to put a light coat on there and sand it off than to hog it on there and put, you know, a quarter <laughs> inch too much or an eighth inch too much. All you're trying to do is smooth it out. So skim, the least skim amount, the yeah, skim coat, right? <laughs> you know, uh, we're, we're not do, we're not doing a whole plaster, lath and plaster <laughs> job here. So it's just, you want to have it smooth. You want to be able to use a nice wide taping knife, you know, or trowel if you're old school to be able to get that wide enough out there. The smaller the taping knife, the harder it's going to be to get that smoothed out because you're gonna have to make multiple passes and it'll leave a more uneven job. So I like to have at least a good 12 inch wide taping knife to be able to go across that. Is there any techniques to keeping it smooth? I mean, obviously when you're trialing this stuff on, I mean, you know, people that's, that's what happens. They put it on way too thick. So do you have, I, I know you've got a secret in there. There's something you're doing. Not yeah. You, first off, I just keep it, you know, want to keep it clean too. I make sure that I only put on as much as I need to. And then I'm making some pretty wide passes on it. I want to make sure that when I put the knife across there, that it's smooth and I don't feel any bumps on it. If I'm feeling bumps and, and awkward stuff, then it needs a little more work on it. But that's kind of the theories to get that down. Then you got a lot of sanding later, and that's going to be the problem that you need to worry about is trying to keep that drywall dust down because drywall dust in a room, man, I tell you what, <laughs> that stuff will go somehow completely around the house. If they made <laughs> some kind of a healthy air freshener out of drywall dust, it would be everywhere in a second. It'd be the most awesome thing in the world because drywall dust goes so many different places you don't want it to. And I've come to the point now that I have my my shop vac and I'll sit there with that running while I'm sanding to try to get keep that dust down. And also, if you're doing a project in a room, block off your vents. If you have a return, you know, a forced hot air system where you've got vents or even air conditioning vents, block it off, you know, use some painter's tape and just put a plastic. You can go get any kind of, you know, at any hardware store, they'll have plastic covers, just plastic all that off. That's going to help you tremendously. Yeah, plastic it off, turn off the heating and cooling in the house, get it, you know, get mm -hmm. it so you're not dragging around. And then make sure that that doorway is, you know, clean the stuff out of the room as best you can, cover it. And then, um, you know, that's the tough part is just keeping that dust down in the project. Do you have a project. preference with so, sanding? Yeah, let's talk about that. When we come back, let's talk about the best way to sand this without creating a huge dust cloud. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns. Hey, it's Eric G with Around the House. Are you looking to grow your business? Need a spokesperson for your company? Maybe an MC for an upcoming trade show? 
or maybe you want to up your game and shoot some promotional videos, my team of experts would love to chat with you. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com and fill out the contact us form, and we'll set something up. Thanks for listening to Around the House. Hey, this is Farewell Angelina, and you're listening to Around the House with Eric G. Today, hey, by the way, we need to talk real quick, Caroline, about our giveaway going on right now, oh, right? Um, this has been crazy, folks. We've got a lot of attention with this giveaway. Everybody wants to win smart thermostat. You got it. We've got an Ecobee smart thermostat with voice control and even one of those room sensors that can go on the other side of the house for you. And we're giving one of those away to a lucky listener. So two things, to enter to win, you have to go over to aroundthehouseonline.com and go to the contest page and fill it out. But to be a valid entry, you need to know who Caroline's movie actor crush is. And there's two ways to find that. One of them is to listen to, you know, a show in the last few weeks. That could have Mm -hmm. the clue in it because she talks about it there. Or... I could do this and play this little soundbite. I'll see you in another life when we are both cats. You <laughs> <laughs> sound so bad. <laughs> I know it. So you put that actor in there where it says, uh, what's the, you know, what's the code word? And that'll be a valid entry. And then we will pick here uh, next week here. We'll, we'll pick on Tuesday. The, the winner. Uh, the uh, winner of that. So stay tuned for that one. Well, Caroline, we've been talking You've been asking me a ton of questions about drywall repair. Yeah, packing these holes and dents that we all have now because the kids are home. Oh, Eric, by the way, got, can I say it? Am I allowed to say what you got? Yeah. Oh, puppy. He got another little puppy. So he's got dents and holes and scratches and bite marks. (laughs) Oh, yeah, bite marks and everything. Yeah, it's what it is. Well, uh, first I'm going to tell a quick story here. I want to tell this story uh, of my first drywall repair. And then we'll talk about that real quick. So I was probably 12 or 13 years old. I'm the oldest of four boys. And my brothers and I were running around the house and we were picking on each other. And I was chasing my little brother and I'm chasing (laughs) him down the hallway and he runs into my stinking bedroom. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you doing in my bedroom? Well, I am like one step behind him. Uh Uh-oh. He slams the door and it clicks as I hit the door. Oh, no. And I hit this door at Mach 7 running. And I could run pretty fast because I played soccer for a number of years. So I was a good runner. I hit this thing at full-on speed of a 13 or (laughs) 14-year-old. And it split the door frame and dropped it flat down into the room. Oh, my God. And my parents were not home. So I'm looking around and, you know, we all know we're getting in trouble at this point. So all of a sudden, all of us being mad at each other was over. It was like, we got to hide the damage. So Uh uh, I go running out the garage. I'm getting materials. I know that my mom's back from 
the mall in like 45 minutes. <laughs> so we get it up there. I know how to use a level at 13. So I get a door back up there and I'm putting nails and I get the nails back in. And then we're in there spackling those holes. And I filled in the, the gaps and stuff on the door and got it back in there. And since the damage was on the inside of the room, my mom didn't go into my room that often. So I got it looking decent. decent. <laughs> and then the next day when she went to the store, it was round two. I'm going to do a little more spackling. That's amazing. And then the next day she went to the grocery store, a little more spackling. And we'd all go in there and work on it real quick and then walk <laughs> away. And I'd leave my window open so the smell would go no. out and all that stuff. And, and I wasn't doing my laundry. So I was trying to make it smell like a boy's room. So it hide the smell of the drywall. So and stuff. smart. Oh my God. So, so we did this and long story short, geez, this was when my dad was alive and they were moving out of the house. They were in, we're having a, like a last dinner before they move at the house. And my brothers are in town. It was the holidays or whatever. So we're sitting there around the dining room table telling these stories. And I'm like, how about when we broke the door? And they all kind of looked at me like, you're going to tell this story. We <laughs> promised we'd never tell this story. So it was so fun to watch my dad go. I never caught that. He got up and walked downstairs into my bedroom. What was my bedroom at the time? I'd been moved out for a long time. And he goes, I wondered why when I repainted that room about seven or eight years ago, why it wasn't perfect around that doorway. Cause I didn't know of any reason why that would be, a little oh. rough around there. He goes, I was surprised that I had to do as much prep work in that area. I just didn't know why. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I know why. So That's awesome. that was my first DIY project trying to save my own butt. See, it was so. destiny. You were meant to exactly. run into the door and you were meant to do spackle. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's what that was. So pretty cool. So we were talking about, you know, how to, you know, what kind of sandpaper I think is, was the question you asked. Mm. And when I'm doing drywall work, I like to use the screen mesh because it doesn't get loaded up like sandpaper does. Sandpaper tends to, to gum up. Mm -hmm. So they make stuff that it's a, it's a mesh. It looks a lot like, like window screen, but with a little bit bigger mesh in it. And it's a mm. sandpaper mesh. So the, 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 the material drops out of it really well, but for larger projects, I'm uh going to start borrowing William, which we'll have here in the next hour. Mm -mm. Uh, I'm going to start borrowing. He's got one of the rotary drywall sanders with a vacuum attachment. That's nice. So it is a those. big nine inch <laughs> pad and I've got some drywall work in here to do that. I'm going to borrow that from him for the week and, and do that. So I don't Me get the too. dust around. I got to do my garage. That, that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> That's a good plan. You can get them pretty inexpensive out there. So you can How much get those are things. they? Would you say? They're not too bad. You know, a few hundred bucks. Um, mm -hmm. You can rent them at most of the home centers or tool rental stores. So depending on what you do, you can buy a rent. Um, you know, they're not too bad. Um, I'm going to borrow his because I'll be honest, my next drywall projects, I'll probably have somebody do it because they're, they're big enough ones. And I love people coming in and doing a big project because I'll be honest, by the time I buy the drywall, buy the mud, take a little time, I can probably have it done by a drywall guy for the same money. So for bigger so, projects, I, I tend to pay to have that done. For using the sander, so people know, give me a square footage. Like, so manually sand it if you have, what, 20 square feet? If you're going over 20 square feet, I mean, what's the, when would you start using I would, this? I would say that I would use, for a little small patch, I would use the hand sander. If you're getting over like a, a, a three by three area, 
Now you're starting to think about maybe getting that. Um, I still know a lot of drywall guys that just hand sand everything. They mm-hmm. could do the whole thing and they're just really good at it. You got a pole sander that's got the the sandpaper on it and you're good. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways to knock it out. Um, here's the thing. If you're a novice, I would say use the sandpaper because you have better control. Control, If yeah. If you've got, you know, all it takes for you to sand with one of the power sanders just a, a second too long and all of a sudden you're, gonna say. Yeah, you you're tearing up paper now and you're, you're, you know, back you're making into a bigger project. repatching again. <laughs> Absolutely. So sometimes slower is better on this stuff, but really yeah. the secret is, is these are never quick repairs. They take multiple coats, multiple days to dry. And even if the, the problem too is maybe we talked about the 20 minute mud, which is that drywall mud that sets up in, in around 20 minutes, depending on how you mix it. The problem with that stuff is, is that it uses chemicals to harden it. It force hardens it, Mm -hmm. which makes it much more like wood when you go to sand it. So it's a lot harder to sand. So you got to be really careful with that 20 minute mud because many of the muds out there, when you go to sand it, man, it is hard as a rock. And so you have to spend a lot more time sanding when you're getting in a hurry. So be very careful where you use it. I like the Merco 100 because it doesn't have the additive to it, but it does take much longer to set up, but it's much easier from, a, from, you know, having to sand constantly. I use it because it's easier. I find it easier for me to use. Yeah. And I'll be honest, guys. I know we all hate wearing dust masks and stuff, but with this to. fine level of stuff, you need to have a really good dust mask because that stuff is really hard on your lungs and you'll be mm-hmm. sneezing and coughing for days if you don't do it. You know how I know that? Because I've been that person myself. So, oh, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I've done that and I, every time I regret it. So just, we all have masks, whether we like it or not. Why don't you put it to good use and, well, use it on your DIY project? Heck yes. So let's talk about what you do now. We've only got about a minute left here before we go out to break. The next part of that is once you get it sanded smooth, you got to figure out the texture. And that, where we were talking a little bit earlier with that is that's either going to be that eggshell, it's going to be some kind of a texture, and that can be kind of difficult to do. So it's going to take some trial and error. So if you're going to get one of the spray cans that have the texture in it, two secrets. Make sure, one, that you get the the water-based one right? There's a oil-based one and a no, water-based one. No oil-based, like, not in the house. I like the water-based one, mm-hmm. not for the reason Caroline does. <laughs> I like the water-based one because if I screw it up, I can grab a wet paper towel, quickly wipe it off and go, trying that again. Where if I've got the oil-based one, not so much. You're stuck with it. So that's the key right there. And, and just make sure you get that texture. But what I do before I texture is I prime it first. I actually put a primer down before I texture. So I've got it smooth. I've got it good. I put a coat of primer on it. I put a good drywall primer on it. Now, if I'm using a ton of different, you know, like if I've got a ton of different brand new drywall, you want to make sure you're using a PVA primer. And that PVA primer is the basis of that good paint coat. If you're just doing a little touch up or you're doing a little patch, not as big a deal but never use just a paint and primer paint mixture. That's junk. Don't, don't believe the paint primer. It might cover a little bit, but you still need to put a primer down. So I primer it, texture mm-hmm. it. If it's a heavy texture, I prime it again and then paint it. When we come back, let's talk more about that. We'll do that just as soon as Around the House returns.
Today's indoor air quality tip is brought to you by Pyramid Heating and Cooling and PyramidHeating.com. Gas and electric cooktops and ranges can add more indoor air pollution to your home than any other item. Your range hood needs to be correctly vented all the way outside of your home. Make sure that it's not vented just into the attic as that can create more mold and pollution issues. You know those recirculating hoods do not do a great job removing those pollutants and moisture from the air. You gotta have that air vented outside. When you're cooking, make sure you're actually using that hood to get all that bad air outside of your kitchen and not moving around. If you have a larger hood over 400 CFM, make sure you hook up makeup air to replace that air. Because if you think about it, 400 CFM is like 400 basketballs per minute of air. An open window can help you, but there's nothing more efficient that can help you than a great functioning range hood. To thrive in the great indoors, visit PyramidHeating.com, Oregon CCB 59382. That's PyramidHeating.com. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we talk home improvement and healthy homes every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, Caroline, we've been sitting here talking about drywall and how to patch up maybe that big party that you had at the house or the kids or the pets, Mm. how to fix that stuff for maybe the abuse. You got it. You got it. And, you know, we were talking earlier before we went to break about really trying to get stuff patched up and you know you don't see a lot of texture out there on the east coast like we do out here and be honest i think a lot of that yeah a lot of that texture is done just to basically to basically hide lower quality (laughs) drywall is that what it is or is it a fashion design thing i mean why do they use both but i'll be honest if a builder is sitting there looking at it if they put a heavier texture on that wall they will pay usually a little bit less than if they have a, a really nice drywall work because they have probably one or two less coats of sanding. So you're cutting days of work off of it by hogging a bunch of texture on it to hide the sins of the bad drywall work. Yep. So that's what it is. It's sort of like, it's also masking, like it's it's hard work when you have to drywall and paper tape and then put on your on your mud and make it all look even. It takes a lot of time. So it's easier if they slap this up and throw a coat of this texture over it, it saves them time. And then they don't, it's the imperfections are less noticeable. Well, yeah. And that's why, you know, the acoustical ceilings, the popcorn ceilings were hot in the 60s, 70s and 80s, and even into the 90s. And the reason why they did that one was it was acoustical. If you had a hardwood floor and a big ceiling, it really cut down the echo in the house. It was there for that reason. But it also meant that you cut about three days of drywall work out of the house on the ceilings because (laughs) they could tape it, do the first coat of mud and tape, and then hog this texture on. And that's why when people go to remove that texture, we're not going to talk about that whole project today. But when people take that down, they end up having to do another couple coats of mud to get it perfectly flat because they didn't do that on the front end when they originally built it. So when they take that off, you still have a lot of work to do up there. And that Explain gets to them what the, um, so where you buy the texture and then also like when it's applied. So when someone comes in with a commercial job, do they spray it on? Is it trialed on? How do they, how do they apply the texture? So if you were building a house, drywall guys come in and then the, towards the end, they'll prime and then texture. And you can rent a big old compressor style texture gun and mm-hmm. texture the entire house. When you don't need that for just doing repairs, Right. You can get it in a spray can and it's a spray texture and you basically have some adjustments on the can. So you look at the can that you want. Maybe it's a knockdown texture, which is a style, or it's a orange peel texture. 
you get the right can that has the right spray head to do that. And then what I do is I keep an Amazon box or a cardboard box around for that. And I practice my texture <laughs> on the cardboard box before I go blow it on the wall and make a mess out of it. Fabulous. Yep. So Best you wrong. end up having to texture a little bit outside of that because you want it to, to blend in. So what you're going to do is you're going to spray it on there, almost like spraying spray paint, but you're going to kind of lift back on it when you get, you know, and you're going to have to perfect that texture with orange peel. You kind of want to mist it on there and expand it out. So when you mm. come back after it's dry and you go to paint it, that you've got it correctly done there. So you don't see that. Wow. That was a repair. And I could see it like a sore thumb on that side of the wall. <laughs> That's the worst. Now, one thing, if you've got an older house and I want to, this is a trick that I do. Here's another one of those tricks. Ah, write this down, people. Write Get this down. Pencil. If you've got a good thick texture, Paper. sometimes you have, maybe this wall has like seven or eight coats of paint on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So the texture that was there to begin with is going to be kind of gets filled in. It's thicker paint. So what I do is I will put multiple coats of primer on it because the primer generally is thicker than what the paint is. I'll put three coats of primer on it. So it gotcha. builds that up a little bit. So when I paint over the top of it, that's it not the same. It has a lot. You don't have this crisp texture on this really kind of muted texture that's on there just because it's got a seven or eight coat paint, you know, coats of paint as a lead. See, doing a patch out there, that's see, West Coast, East Coast. I mean, doing a patch, God, it's like, I mean, it's a lot more work than what we have to do, right? I mean, we literally cut it, put in the, you know, trout, like you said, put in the piece, put the mud on, sand it down, and you get it as flat as you can and paint it. You yeah, guys have a yeah. lot more steps. Well, there's a lot more house, steps yeah. to make that look even because that's the, that's the bad part is that when you've got that even texture across there, you're trying to do it. And sometimes you end up having to do the whole entire wall. You know, and some textures out there, you're not just coming in and patching that. You've got to do the entire thing. And that's where that gets to be a, kind of a trouble. So you got to be careful with that. And then just a really good paint, you know, make sure you've got a really good paint in there. Uh, they do make flat scrubbable paints now. Some companies have them. And uh, that is a flat paint that you can actually scrub and do some light cleaning with. Do you have um, a preference? Again, like I, I tell my clients all the time, I'll go with a flat on the ceiling, but I really like an eggshell or something with a, you know, at least something that's got a, a, a thicker coat so you can clean, a cleanable surface. And the scrubbable I mean, works yeah. for flat, but I tend to like like an eggshell or something on the walls. Just and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's multiple yeah. coats. There's multiple stuff, even like the satins in between the mm-hmm. satin and right. the mat and the eggshell. So depending on what brand of paint you're using. I tend to go as flat as I can on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Me too. And then the walls maybe a step or two of sheen beyond that. Um, yep. Now it's completely different if you're in a kitchen or a bathroom. You need to have in a bathroom more of a semi-gloss type bathroom paint so you can actually clean it and have it hold up to moisture. Yeah. Agreed. See? We, That's great minds yeah. agree. Exactly. You know, so... And again, it comes down to prep work. If you're painting that bathroom, make sure you've got all the the mold and mildew and and you wouldn't be you'd be surprised when you wipe down a bathroom wall what comes off of it from <laughs> the soaps and the oils scum. and all that stuff that mm-hmm. ends up in there, the scum that ends up on there. It's a good thing to do to get that uh really kind of cleaned up because otherwise you're in year, trouble. I I tell people back in the day Okay. When we had people painted a lot less. Now we change our color. Like we change shoes. Right. So back then we, 
they would wipe down the walls. So I always recommend to my clients once a year, do a really good wipe down of all your walls. You know, you could take a mild vinegar, don't go crazy, like maybe one part vinegar to three parts water solution and just Mm -hmm. clean your walls down. And that's really going to help maintain, like just keep your house clean. You get particulate, you get pollution buildup, you get soap scum, all that stuff that comes off you in the shower builds up on the wall. So do a deep clean on it. And that's going to help you also when you go to, before you, you know, prep, you're not going to have to clean your walls as much. You're not going to have as much debris under there and things that you'll have to get off if you're going to do a paint. So, yeah. And you can have some serious problems there with that, because if you don't have good adhesion there, then you're going to get bubbling and stuff down the road. Mm -hmm. And that could be its own issue or something bleeding through it. Yep. All right, Caroline. Well, that's all we wrote for the first hour of the show. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. So one little tip out there, guys, just follow the manufacturer's instructions too. make sure that you, uh, that you follow that and make sure that if it says you need to wait 24 hours to paint, you wait 24 hours to paint or give yourself time for the coats to dry. That's the big tip of the day for that one as well. Well, I'm Eric G. I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around, Around the, the House. House. Come on. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.